0: Jamar Perry and Bryant Antoine are social workers and friends. They graduated together from St. Louis University's Master of Social Work program in May of 2019. And then they launched an initiative aimed at what they say is their life's purpose, helping men of color gain access to mental health resources. They call their group the Village Healing and Writing Circle for Men of Color, and they join us today to tell us about it. So, Jamar Perry, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, Bryant Antoine, welcome.
1: Thank
2: you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Bryant, let's start with you. I understand you two were the only black men in your program at SLU. Did you feel just an immediate draw to each other?
2: Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, a lot of times we bring this up in our group, but um, we're actually not originally from St. Louis. Uh, we actually both come from the East Coast, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, and Jamar's from Philly. Um, So uh, we have that in common. Both of our uh, partners lived in St. Louis, grew up in St. Louis, um, and they brought us back, they dragged us back out here. Boy, those Um, St.
0: Louis natives, you gotta watch them, they will do that to you.
2: (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly um so but even then i mean before we even knew all of that um we were big uh we were really vocal um just like on campus and um you know every time we talked we found things in common so there was just this natural draw um ever since then um we graduated in uh last year in May of 2019, and we've been close
0: ever since. So you guys had this friendship, but this is not just a friendship at this point. You've also formed this group together. Uh, Jamar, tell me, what, what led you to say, you know what, we need to do this thing together?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, like Brian said, not being from here, it's kind of like a culture shock coming from the East Coast and realizing how segregated the middle of the country was. Hmm. Um, So everywhere, you know, I kind of went, you know, whether it was political events or, you know, even, you know, events that weren't that heavy, um, I noticed a lack of black men in the spaces. Um, Before, you know, when I went to SLO, I kind of went into it blindly about social work, not realizing that I would be the only man in most of my classes and definitely one of the only black men hmm. in those spaces. Um, so all of that and not being front here and not having a home base and having friends that i knew forever just kind of made me want to see that if there was a need to create a space for black men to talk about vulnerable issues and to talk about, you know, what's going on in their daily lives and, you know, also share joys and not just tears. So you know all of that and a few other things just kind of formulated the, um, the, you know, the group. It was one point where we took a bus trip at SLU um, to the Capitol. Um, one day, the only black men on the bus were myself and the bus driver. <laughs> and I sat on the back of the bus, and I was glad I wasn't driving the bus, but I was also almost in tears by how far we haven't progressed when it came to these things. Hmm. So all of those things, all of those experiences, just kind of made me just want to create something just for, you know, for black men or black
0: men of color. Okay. So you talk about trying to create a space and creating that space sort of, you need to get some people to come to that space. And as you mentioned, you guys are both transplants. And in St. Louis, it can sometimes be harder to make connections. Brian, how did you go about finding the people who could help you start this thing?
2: Yeah, so um, definitely it took it took a couple months, right, to get the ball running. Um, I think... Um, you know, uh, we have connections with local organizations. You know, Jamar's um, wife is part of Safe Connections. Um, That's a that great
0: nonprofit that deals with uh, domestic violence issues and then things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And um, also just remembering that, you know, um, you know, even though we are transplants, we do have good connections and networks of people, Um and you know people started hearing about it. Mm -hmm. Um, We were um, starting to meet at the Thomas Dunn Learning Center in South City um, on Gasconade and uh, it's just the balls just started getting rolling and it's snowballed ever since. So Mm -hmm.
0: So when you say um, it snowballed um, obviously the coronavirus changes everything in terms of in-person meetings but um, what, what kind of turnout were you getting before that?
2: Yeah I mean we've honestly had a consistent Um, 10 to 12 people, Mm -hmm. um, monthly, you know, that's great. So that's kind of a core
0: group. Same people talking, talking together.
2: Same and new people. I don't know if you want to, uh, Jamal.
0: Ooh, um, that are you guys both still there? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but, hey, we're doing these interviews remotely these days. It has the same um, uh, complications that trying to have a group meeting remote can sometimes have. Uh, Jamar, if you wanted to add to what Bryant was saying, it's a group of about 10 to 12 people.
1: Yeah, so we also were able to reach out to conferences in the area before everything started. So one of the times, you know, we came together and we figured you know, there was a lot of street black men coming to the group. So we also wanted to reach out to some of our LGBTQ plus brothers. Mm-hmm. So I kind of uh, did a conference one they, Brian and I did a conference for uh, Williams and Associates, who does really, really great work when it comes to black men and getting them tested for HIV and a bunch of other great work that they do in the community. Um, and I was able to go to that conference and link with uh, a few of the LGBTQ men who uh, used their resources and and some of them started coming and also bringing others. And it was big for us to not just have straight black men in the circle, but also all self-identified black men in the circle. So that was also helpful. And uh, yeah, that was one of the ways.
0: Was that initially a little uncomfortable for anybody to say, this is not just for gay men. This is not just for straight men. We're going to have everybody all together.
1: Well, we also make sure that, you know, before we spoke about these things, we kind of laid the rules and laws down about, mm-hmm. you know, being welcoming and having a safe space for everyone. And if you aren't, you know, if people weren't with that, then this might not be a space for them. Um, but also, we were really strategic about who we invited and, you know, making sure that, you know, people knew that. And knew that this had to be not just about some, about some of the parts, but all of the parts. Um, and making sure that they felt safe. And I know, you know, from speaking to them that you know initially it probably was a little awkward,
0: you know, not knowing
1: who's who and not knowing, who, you know, to feel safe for them. But hopefully, you know, as we worked over time and over the last few months, those have become like you know not just our friends but our brothers too.
0: That's great. And and Jamar, we're going to have to call you back. We're not liking the sound of your phone line. Um, so we're going to do that. And we're going to talk to Bryant here uh, while we get you back on the line. But um, if you're listening to this conversation and and you're a man of color who has dealt with some of these issues, we do want to hear from you. And we're particularly interested in what has helped you uh, with some of those mental health issues. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk stlpublicradio.org. And we're talking about the Village Healing and Writing Circle for Men of Color. So, Brian can you walk us through what would happen at a typical meeting of this group? And again, we're talking pre-coronavirus when you guys could meet in person.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. Um, so basically what happens is um, we keep it really light, you know, in the beginning. We have snacks and um, we keep like the first 15 or 20 minutes open so that people can kind of enjoy and Um, just remembering that people are coming back from work or you leaving work, um, or leaving from home, uh, so that we can network and talk. Um, but then as we get right into the circle, um, the, the main point, uh, of the check-in after we go down the, the, um, the ground rules is just making sure that, um, people have an opportunity to voice their joys and their pains. Mm. And I'll tell you now, um. Our spaces, uh, our time is pretty much, it's like two hours long. But I'll tell you, we spend a lot of time talking about our joys and pains. Mm-hmm. Um, people come, come in um, carrying so much weight, you know, just f- for, you know, being a black man and working in different spaces and dealing with, you know, what we deal with on a regular basis that um, it gives an opportunity for everybody to just to kind of lay it out. And uh, really heal from it.
0: What would be some specific things you'd see people laying out? Something that's happened to somebody in the last week or more of these bigger picture issues of life?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, anything. I think it runs a gamut. Um, it could be anything as little as, um, you know, an interaction they had at work hmm. um, to, you know, hearing about somebody um, getting shot, you know, hmm. or losing um, a family member. Um, so, like, it, it really runs the gamut, you know? Um, mm-hmm. it, it isn't necessarily things that happen immediately. People bring up, um, you know, instances of, uh, that might have happened 10, 15 years ago, um, but they also um, are able to, to just kind of lay it all out and vent. Um, so it's
0: just something that so, someone yeah. is, is ready to talk about. That's, that's kind of the, the criteria there.
2: Exactly. And then the the other end of it as well is, um, you know, it's a healing and writing circle. So what we'll do is we'll also um, uh, kind of cut out, carve out a space for people to share any projects that they're working on, um, carve out a space for people to write, um, listen to music um, and, and share out when they're ready.
0: And uh, Jamar, I understand you're back with us. Uh, can you hear me?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Hopefully my connection is a lot better. Yes, Hopefully.
0: that does sound a lot better. I'm, I'm so glad to hear your <laughs> voice. Um, writing um, is a big part of this group. It's right there in the name. What's the thinking mm-hmm. on, on why writing is important for this kind of work?
1: Well, it's something we kind of stumbled upon all of this. Um, at first, you know, leaving, kind of being bored last summer, which is coming home from work every day and just going home. Um, that was also a part of it. So initially I kind of wanted a space for... Social workers of color, and then that kind of grew to having just a group for men to write and writers, since that was something I was picking back up again after years. And then I kind of just kind of one day kind of forged all of those things in a name. Um, so the writing piece came from just knowing um, black writers. I reached out to one who comes to our group frequently and initially about starting this, and he was all for it, the writing portion. Hmm. And then I just kind of brought it all together. Um, so, you know, I felt like, you know, writing could be therapeutic, um, in some ways and kind of go hand in hand. Honestly, it was kind of for selfish reasons, because I was also picking up the craft of writing again and the love for it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted a group to hold me accountable with that as we all kind of healed from the things that we go through, you know, on a daily.
0: Do you give the, the group a writing prompt or is it more, uh, journaling where people can write about whatever?
1: It's a little bit of both. Um. So, you know, when we were holding the the groups in person, it was more so, you know, the writing prompt was how we ended things. Um, and then, you know, there would be, you know, there's also a share out. So the thing we probably consistently do the most is we do focus a lot on healing a lot of times, depending on how things are going, the number of people that come. Um Most of the things that we've done, focus-wise, has been on sharing um, out pieces. Um, And recently, the group has decided they want to release a book of all the stuff that we've been working on over the course of our lives together. So, our writing. Yeah,
0: that's great. And you know, in addition to this book, I mean, you guys are just so busy. You both also started a podcast that goes hand in hand with this group. This is called the Black Men Tell Village Podcast. Uh, Who are some of the people you featured on that, Bryant?
2: Yeah. So. So at first we thought thought it would be important to kind of extend what we were doing um, in the healing and writing circle. So we started it off um, with us, you know, uh, featured, um, and then we moved it to members, other members of the group. Um, So Bobby Free Williams, um, uh, Victor Farwell, and then we moved it to... um, uh, other individuals from outside the group. So mm-hmm. we featured most recently Sir Eddie C, um, who is a hip hop artist um, out of Belleville, Illinois and the St. Louis region.
0: We've actually and, had um, him on our show. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um,
2: yeah, he's fantastic. Um,
0: yeah. So you've got some of these people coming in for interviews, but you also open up about some really heavy personal subjects yourself. Uh, Bryant, I understand you even talked about your mother's death um, in, in a podcast episode. Was that hard to open up about?
2: Of course. Of course. I think, um, you know, it's been, you know, over 10 years, you know, and um, my mom, my mother died uh, due to homicide Mm. and uh, intimate partner violence. So so it's always hard to open up about that. Thank you. Um, But I felt like uh, just to get the ground running with, um, you know, the theme that month was, you know, you know, heard around the holidays and thinking about people you've lost. And um, I think it was important to get the, ground, uh, the ball rolling on, you know, the podcast to start with that so people f- understand that we were coming with heavy stuff and people felt, um, you know, the vulnerability uh, that we were trying to kind of convey through the podcast, so... Mm-hmm. Um, it was very important.
0: It's it's nice to hear that in addition to helping other people with this group, you're also really doing some of the work yourself. Um, Jamar, you told our producer this has been like an awakening for you. How so?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I spent a large part of my life kind of like dead-end jobs trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. Um, kind of, you know, just trying to figure it out through the process that a lot of people go through. Um, so, this has kind of been like a new awakening for me, um, it feels like I finally figured out what I want to do with the rest of my life, mm. um, which is a great, great feeling when you, when you go through life and you finally hit that plateau. Where you're like, oh, this is it. You know, you're putting together all of those things. I got my bachelor's degree in journalism in 2010 from Temple University back in Philadelphia. And after that, I had to figure out what I wanted to do. and It took me a while. Um, and, you know... From there, I kind of worked with kids at at an all-black mentoring, uh, Afrocentric-centered program. So all those things kind of have brought me to where we are today um, and what we're doing, all those experiences, all those not knowing, you know, what you're doing from day to day, um, the dead-end jobs, the, the getting into college, the dropping out of college, you know, the whole experience. You know, it just kind of brought me to where we are today. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's so great, to, yeah. to that moment where you find that calling. And, and you know, in our last minute here, I do want to also mention something. Your group partnered on a campaign with the group All Blacks Creative and, and Sir Eddie C., who we mentioned earlier. It's called the Little Black Boy Campaign after Sir Eddie C.'s track. The initial goal was to raise $1,000 to help 10 men uh, get therapy sessions. You're now above $7,000. So uh, real quick here, Brian, what are you going to do with all that money?
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's going to it's a lot of money we actually hit um 8000 this morning um so it's been fantastic but um it's going to go to what we initially pushed for and that's getting uh free mental health uh for black men uh, making sure that they have an the opportunity to to try it to to heal um I really appreciate everyone who's donated. Um, It's been really, really uh, amazing, and we're forever grateful.
0: That's a great thing to see. Well, and it was great to hear about the work you guys are doing. So, Brian Antoine, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: And thank you so much for having us.
0: And Jamar Perry, thank you.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having us. This was awesome.
0: And uh, these two wonderful men uh, are co-founders of the Village Healing and Writing Circle for Men of Color. If you want to look that up, we'll have links on our website, stlpublicradio.org. Their podcast is uh, Black Men Tell Village Podcast. And I do want to go out of today's show with that track we mentioned. This is Lil' Black Boy, and this is by the St. Louis artist Sir Eddie C. Yeah,
2: shine like the sun. Yeah, shoot for the stars, the universe shooting at us. Mm. James mm. Brown, look, I'm black and I'm proud. Like, yeah, say and mm. I can't mm. wait to do this
0: Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.